name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. It's beautiful in the scriptures that uh, every so often we hear these words, we've never seen anything like this. It's just uh, the Lord God incarnate doing a miraculous thing in the eyes of the people. Um, we've never seen anything like this. Thanks be to God. So this homily is really a homily of thanksgiving. Um, we're in, we've completed week two of Lent. Thank God we're done with week two. <laughs> uh, it's a nice week for me. It's kind of like I'm finding my Lenten rhythm. Week one is just kind of a, everything goes up in the air a little bit. Week two, there's a rhythm that we start to get into, so it's a beautiful thing. Um, so um, we'll talk a little bit about that later. There are three things in the scripture readings today that kind of struck me that I'd like to share with you. Uh, the first is from, the first two are from the epistle of St. Paul's letter to the Hebrews. The first is we must pay close attention to what we have heard lest we drift away from it. St. Paul's words to the Hebrews. We must pay close attention to what we have heard lest we drift away from it. So this is an encouragement for us uh, to be vigilant, to be watchful. The Lord says to his disciples, watch and pray lest you be tempted by the evil one and he draw you away. Be vigilant. Pay attention to what goes on. It's very interesting in Lent when we make decisions on things we are going to try to get on top of a bit, some of our appetites, right? You make a decision with your appetites. I'm not going to eat this. I'm not going to watch this. I'm not going to listen to this. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to say this. And you begin to see how powerful your appetites are. <laughs> how much a control they are of you. And you're not in control of them. That's one of the beauties of Lent. Is that we, we can get kind of on the other side of our appetites and begin to pull them back. Put the bridle in their mouth and pull back on our appetites. So this is our, be vigilant. Work at this. You see how much your appetites control you. Take opportunity during Lent to bridle them, to pull them back and say, no, you need to be in control of your appetites, not your appetites in control of you. Be vigilant. Be watchful. Pay attention to this. It's such a powerful thing during the Lenten season. The beauty of it is that we're all doing it. We're all struggling with it. So it's kind of a corporate work, and God's mercy is with us during the Lenten season. But I want you also to be vigilant with this, because there's two Lents. One you decide, and then one God sends you. Because God, God sends you a Lent. And uh, normally, there's something that comes unexpected. <laughs> You're all very quiet. 
So let me give you a clue on how to do this, okay? This is a baseball analogy, okay? God rest his soul, Scott O'Leary taught this. He said, a first baseman, when receiving a throw, if he expects a good throw, he's going to catch the ball in a circle like this, right? If he expects a bad throw, he can catch a ball in a circle like this. So my encouragement to you, expect a bad throw. Because normally when the unexpected comes, we go, oh my God. Okay? No, you expect the bad throw, so you pull your glove over you to catch it. Expect the bad throw. They're sent to you by God for your good, for your salvation. Expect the bad throw. Be ready for it, right? So a good first baseman sees that th throw from the shortstop, and he goes, I, I may need to move off this base a little bit, right? So he can move and catch the ball. He's sitting there saying, this guy's going to throw it right here. Oops. Expect the bad throw. God's with you. God will help you. Be vigilant with that. Very important. I love that analogy. I love Scott O'Leary. He was a blessed man. He really taught, uh, taught a lot of kids a lot of good things, more than just baseball, by the way, more than just baseball. Um, so I'll tell you a Kevin story. O'Leary... <laughs> well, Kevin was a second baseman, and after almost every inning, Kevin would come and sit down next to Scott O'Leary, and O'Leary would tell him what he, you needed to move over for that batter. You need to back up for this thing. You need to do this. Just listen so intently, and he did that with so many players. It was such a powerful thing. So remember Scott O'Leary when the bad throw comes. Pray for him. He passed away probably 10 years ago, but... Uh, a good man. Uh, secondly, says, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to, to us by those who heard it and those who followed it. So what I'd like to share with you and encourage you in is the gratitude we have for being in the Orthodox Church community. Because thanks be to God, as the Apostle Paul told Timothy, the church is the pillar and ground of the truth. Very important to see this. We need to be comforted by this, that this truth that was given to, to, by the Lord to the apostles has been carried on up to this day. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God for this. So we're grateful that the church is the harbor of stability, is the guardian against the winds and ideas of the age, right? Now, I want to, I want to say something about this. St. Gregory uh, Palamas, who we celebrate today, uh, is a great example of this, kind of how the church deals with uh, questions that come up, okay? St. Gregory was the developer of hesychasm, which 
is kind of the foundation of the is founded uh, with the Jesus prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Okay, his efforts uh, and his teaching was that the mind and the heart can be united to God through these prayers. We can become united to God in union with Christ. But there was a scholastic uh, named Barlam who took issue with that. He said, you cannot be in union with Christ. Okay? Uh, and the church heard the arguments, right? And said, Gregory is correct. And so we were able to then uh, appreciate and allow this beautiful hesychastic movement to grow in the church. This was in the 14th century. So we have this beautiful relationship the church has with a question that shows up in the midst of the church community, right? Can you be in union with God or not, right? So the church, over several, many years, and it was confirmed through history, says, yes, you can be in united to God. Okay, so... Importantly, we look at this and say, so we are not then a church founded on personal opinion. We're not a church founded on a social idea. We're not a church that finds truth in political legislation. Does that comfort you? Because <laughs> every time he shows up, we've got different social ideas, we've got different political ideas. We've got all kinds of things that come at us in this world. The church says, we'll t if, if there's a question, we'll take a look at it, like we did with St. Gregory, right? We'll bring it into the church and let the church digest it. Let the church look at it. But we're not in a hurry. We're not in a hurry to say, this is true. We let it come into the church. We let it percolate like a pot of coffee, right? You let it percolate in the church so the church, through its hierarchy, through its clergy, through its people, would say an amen to that. And through its history, it looks back on its history, and it must be confirmed in the future. The Hesychastic movement was, yes, we believe this, but it was confirmed century after century after century. So you see, you have to, I am so grateful for this. That we can, yes, we can look and hear about ideas, right? But for them to be formed in the church and become the truth, it takes time. Thanks be to God, it takes time. We just don't jump at something. I, I, we need to be so grateful for this. That we can ha and an idea can come in and deal with it. We can deal with the idea, okay? But to, to proclaim it to be true, it must be witnessed to by the church community as a whole, and it must follow it within the traditions of the church, and it must be then confirmed through history. Are you grateful for that? I am. I'm comforted by that. So I can, I can have an idea, and I can bring it to the church, right? And I can let the church deal with it. Because what's the pillar and ground of the truth? Social idea? Political legislation? What's the pillar and ground of the truth? The church. 
That's where we go, right? That's where we go. So be comforted. Be comforted. And, and uh, don't be in a hurry. Don't be in a hurry with an idea to say, this is right. Don't, don't be in a hurry. Let the church deal with it. Um, lastly, and Jesus saw their faith. This is about the paralytic. And the four men brought him, four good friends. And Jesus saw their faith, and he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. You know, I was reading, it's very interesting, St. Gregory Palamas wrote a homily on this scripture. St. Gregory, his day, wrote a homily for this day. And this is one of the things he said. He said there are two faiths that the Lord addressed in this, uh, at this event. The first faith was the faith of the paralytic. He says he could have resisted this. He could have come and resisted it, right? He could have come and... Uh, said, don't take me. I'm sick. I don't want to see God. You know, don't take me. But he did. He, he, he affirmed his faith was affirmed by him coming, being, being brought. Being brought. The, the beauty of this is that when the Lord saw him, what did he call him? Son. Can you imagine him, the paralytic, at that moment? Son. He knew this Christ was God. That's why he was coming, because he knew God would, would, grace would come to him by getting near to Christ. Son, your sins are forgiven. Son, your sins. What? That's those words we want, right? Son, daughter. We want the Lord to say those things to us. In our faith, that's, those are the words that we will hear. Son, daughter, your sins are forgiven you, and you're healed. Okay? So this, this faith, this beautiful faith, uh, solicits from Christ these words, Son, my child. Okay? Very beautiful. And then finally, this, uh, the, fourth, the four friends, we see then how important praying for other people becomes. You know, this morning I was sitting down reviewing this homily, and I said, I, I've seen so many blessings come because we've prayed over years for people. I've been in this community for 47 years. That surprised me, but <laughs> surprises me. 47 years. I've been around you for 47 years. And in those 47, the beauty of that 47 years is I've seen so many beautiful things happen because we've prayed. We've prayed for people. We've prayed for situations because God hears the prayers of us for other people. And a, he gives a grace to them in that. So I just want to encourage you to not only for our own uh, edification to come to God with faith, to hear the word son or daughter, but to pray for each other and pray for circumstances that you, uh, that you have a heart for, that you see. 
You know, I'll, I'll end with this because I think sometimes we get a little frustrated because we don't see an immediate result. Does that bother you sometimes? Immediate means it may be 10 years, right? Maybe 20 years, maybe 47 years. I've been praying for certain things for 47 years. <laughs> uh, but this is, this is a beautiful uh, thought. Uh, Father Dimitri, who was a beautiful monk, uh, priest, was here years and years ago. And this question was asked of him, I keep praying for my family, but nothing happens. And he said, you know, what the church teaches is that every prayer is accompanied by a grace. Every prayer you pray has grace in it. And it goes into a bank. And when that heart is ready to react to that prayer positively, guess where all that grace goes? It gets poured into that heart. So you pray once, you pray twice, you pray three, you pray a hundred times. That's a hundred prayers of grace given to that person when their heart is ready to receive it. Should that not encourage you to pray fervently every day for circumstances that may take a long time to find a solution to. That very much encourages me. I feel that it's a really important aspect of our prayer. That when I pray with faith to God for a person or a circumstance, a grace is given to that circumstance. And that grace is delivered by God when it's the right time. So thanks be to God for that. So, Thanks be to God for his encouragements and vigilance. Thanks be to God for the church being the pillar and ground of the truth. And thanks be to God that he will call us sons and daughters and that our prayer is heard and gives grace. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.